Hey out there in Beerland, this is Denny. And this is Drew. And this week we're presenting a special episode of Experimental Brewing, recorded live at the 2016 NHC, or I mean Homebrew Con, in Baltimore. <laughs> we had an opportunity to sit down for a while at the Brewcraft booth on the Trade Show Expo floor at Homebrew Con. They're a great sponsor and a great supporter. And uh, we sat there for a couple hours and talked to uh, lots of people coming by, and we have some really killer interviews coming up for you. Special note. You'll notice that the audio for this particular episode is fairly lively. Uh, it feels just like you're in the room with us. Uh, yeah, that's how you can tell that we were really there and not just making it all up. I think that the uh, background noise will kind of like involve you in the whole atmosphere of the conference. And on the next episode, we'll be playing the seminar that we did at the conference, as well as talking to some of the Maryland homebrew clubs that were serving their beer there. And we'll finish up with uh, Drew and I giving you some of our impressions of the conference and encouraging you to be sure to make the next one. And in case you weren't aware, next year's conference is going to be June 15th to June 17th in the wonderful city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, hey, better make sure that you can make it. And if you went to the previous Minneapolis conference and went, hey, what's the deal? Why, could, why should I go there again? Remember... That was before all the craft beer scene exploded, and now there's so many more breweries and so much more stuff to see in Minneapolis, and we'll actually be in downtown and not in one of the suburbs. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, kick back, grab yourself a beer, enjoy this recording from the conference. I hope you're looking forward to the one after that. Hope we see you in Minnesota next year. And we'll see you next time on Experimental Brewing. It's just about time, it's just about time, don't you think it's about time, we talked about beer, so come on in, uh, come on in, just come on in. Pour yourself a beer. Okay, this is the part where everybody sings. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, 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 beer. And welcome to a very special edition of the Experimental Brewing Podcast with Denny and Drew. I'm Denny Kahn. And I'm Drew Beecham. And together we have nearly 40 years of homebrewing experience. And we are coming to you live from the floor of the Baltimore Homebrew Con Expo Center. And we are currently sitting in the Brewcraft USA booth. Uh, and thanks to them for sponsoring us and giving us a little bit of space during this hectic period of time. Uh, today's show is going to be a little different. Uh, this episode is the first time... The first time ever in the history of mankind that Denny Khan and I have sat in the exact same room next to each other. This is true. And done this podcast. Yeah. Uh, the universe may implode. Normally he's 800 miles away and that's too close. Yeah, well, hey, you smell. All right. <laughs> Cats and dogs may end up living together. It is kind of an oddly biblical event. And what we're going to do today is we are going to have a number of special guests from some of our sponsors and other people around the floor that we think are doing some really awesome things. And we're also going to take and answer some questions from the audience. And I believe we have a beer tasting as well, right? Yeah, all right, great. So, hey, let's go ahead and let's get this started off. Denny, 
Yeah, we want to start off by introducing you to a very special guest we have here, James Laughlin. James, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Hey, Danny. Hey, Drew. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Great to be here today. Um, yeah, well, me and my family, we've been on our, our farm in Ireland about an hour north of Dublin since, uh, since 1908. I'm a sixth generation barley grower and we just get to produce great barley and, and, and great malt there in, uh, in Ireland. We sell it here in the US through the guys here in Brewcraft and Country Malt Group. And Ireland's a, it's a special place for growing barley. We get really good climate, uh, long days. So this time of year, we'll get 19, 20 hours of daylight. We'll get very mild temperatures, 60, 70 degrees most of the year. That means the plants get to grow very long, uh, six month, six and a half month growing season. And packs those grains full of flavor full of protein sorry full of flavor full of vitamins lipids and oils and starches and that's what gives the mouth feel and, 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 and add depth and complexity of, of flavor as well so yeah it's great to be here and, and share some of this malt with some some great home brewers and we can tell you that uh, we've been drinking uh, beer made with uh, James's malt all week and man it is freaking amazing uh, so James, you were telling me that like uh, growing malting barley isn't all you guys do on your farm, right? Yeah, we uh, we grow some other grains as well. We grow some oats and some some wheat as well as some some feed barley. But uh, malt barley is, is is pretty important to us. It's an important part of the rotation. And to be honest, being being able to to grow malt and sell it to as uh, provided to to craft brewers and home brewers, it it does leave a little extra in the in the pot at the end of the year and we we're able to put that money back into the farm and just make it that bit more sustainable so i can pass it on to my kids in a better condition than i got it from my mom and dad well and let's face it, it brewing or growing barley malt at least gives you an excuse to have uh, more fun than say oh hey look another cow been fed by my barley it's a lot more fun <laughs> <laughs> all right so as as a brewer you know I, I, obviously nowadays i have access to great malts from a lot of, a lot of parts of the world uh what would be a characteristic of the malts that's coming off of your farm that you think really should make people seek out your particular your malt? Yeah, well, a lot of it comes down to um, things like flavor and, and, and body that uh, that a malt grown in, in, in our climate can can deliver, and that's uh, that's something that malts grown under uh, uh, more challenging growing conditions struggle to, to to provide. So, for example, in in North America, the the growing season is much shorter. It's about three and a half, four months, and, and the barley during that period is exposed to very fluctuating temperatures, very high during the day, and the hundreds very low, uh, in the low 60s at night, and, and all the while often being under, under water stress. And that means that the plant has to go through its life cycle very quickly and, and doesn't get a chance to, de- to develop the, uh, those more challenging compounds which add to the, to the flavor, which, which our barley uh, is able to do because of the, the longer growing season. Awesome. Yeah, I was really surprised to hear you talking about how uh, how warm it stays year round. There, that's not not an image I generally have of Ireland. Yeah, it's um, we're very fortunate where we are. It's on the on, on the northwest of, of Europe. It's very heavily influenced by the by the Gulf Stream, which is um, a very warm ocean current which runs up from the uh, from the from the Caribbean all the way across sort of northwest Europe. So it means that. Ireland and, and, and the UK are, are, are much warmer for their for their latitude than, than would be expected. Well, and yeah, I was gonna say, I mean they're on the same level as like New England in the US, but yeah. they stay much, much warmer. That's right. Or or e- even us we're our latitude I think is 
similar to Edmonton, Alberta. So oh, wow. it's which is even even I think even further north than yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, and it doesn't get nearly nearly as cold. But likewise, it doesn't get as warm either. We don't get the same um, spikes in temperature during the summer. What's going on? So, uh, what is your favorite type of beer to brew with your, to drink with? It's been made with your malt. I've I've some friends who brew a, a, a milk stout with it, and it's uh, it's it's phenomenal. It's it's really really rich and, and creamy. Yeah. So we do uh, we do a stout malt, which is perfect for it. And uh, our stout malt has a lot of uh, a very high diastatic power. It's like 250, 260 wow. pp. Um, and we do that by by just killing it a lot cooler, a lot a lot lower temperatures, and that preserves the the enzymes. And the benefit of having that is if you're making a, a stout with a lot of uh, roasted grains in the, in the grain bill, you've got that extra diastatic power to chew through it. And, and, and rather than doing that with a six row, you can do it now with a, with a two row. So you get that complexity and mouth, body and feel that you get from a two row. Well, and, and without like all the tannins and everything else that you would get from, a, from all the extra six row husk and... Exactly, yeah, all, all that extra stuff. So uh, milk stouts are just a uh, very special place for me. That high in the winter, really? Yeah. That's amazing. That is really amazing, man. I, you know, and I have not had a chance to brew with your malt yet, but I'm hoping that uh, the Brewcraft will send me some soon. <laughs> I can check it out, man, because the beers I've had have been amazing, and I really want to try it in some of my own. Yeah, and if you haven't noticed, Denny is very, very good about getting uh, free things. It's the meaning of life, right? <laughs> right. Well, hey, uh, I think uh, before before uh, before you uh, leave us, is there anything else you want to communicate to the world about your your malt and what you think about beer? I love beer, to be honest. <laughs> I'm very fond of beer. Wait, hold on. Everybody out there who's surprised that an Irishman just said that they love beer, raise your hands. Yeah, no hands. Okay, good. I just feel very humbled and privileged to be able to come across here and, and, and partake in this, this, not just this event, but this entire community of, of craft and homebrewing because it's, uh, it, it's very special. We don't get have this um, enthusiasm quite yet at, at home or this level of, of development of the industry. So to see our malt, to see uh, something that I put into the ground and, and, and cherish and nourish be appreciated by, by brewers many, many thousands of miles away. That's that's very, very rewarding and very humbling. So I'd just like to say thank you to anybody who, who has used it and anybody who's going to use it. Um, big thank you to you as well. Uh, and, and just to reiterate, with the special beers that we've had here that use your malt, there have been some really interesting characters. And I, I definitely think it's well worth exploring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks a lot, James. Uh, while we're on the subject of malt, we're going to have a word with uh, Terry Ferendorf from Country Malt Group, and I want to talk to her about some of this new crystal malt that they're making, or, or crystal type, I guess. Uh, so she's getting the headphones on. Hi, Terry. Hey, Danny. Hey, Drew. Hello. Thanks for being here. You bet. So what's the story about Sacro Malt? Well, sacramalt is uh, it's similar to a crystal malt, but instead of using a dry uh, roasting drum, yeah. kind of like you make with coffee where the drum is turning, um, the, uh, the drum itself, the metal, is probably 900 degrees. So it's, you're, as the malt is in there and it's turning, it's hitting that really hot surface. So we decided to experiment because we want to be as innovo- innovative as the home brewers are and the craft brewers. We want to experiment and find out what's a gentler way to 
make a malt that has those types of crystal flavors. So we sacrificed it in the kiln with a hot moist process. And so we were able to get the sacrification. Um, not 100% of the crystals uh, or, or the kernels have that glassy character. They still have some of the um, biscuity type character. So, but you're still getting your color. You're getting your red color and you're getting some of those crystal malt flavors. However, because of that gentler caramelizing process, um, we have found you get a creamier mouthfeel and your hops shine through better. So the, that caramel, that heavy caramel that can sometimes dominate your hops is not quite as heavy on the hop domination side. Well, now, and of course, Denny just totally proved that he's inadequate as a, a host because <laughs> he just invited you up here, but we haven't actually introduced you. So. Oh, that's right. Oh, we yeah. know Terry. The rest of you don't. Yeah. All right. Oops. So, Terry... Introduce yourself to the audience, and, and exactly who is we when you're talking about creating this new mold? Oh, awesome. Thank you. Well, my name is Terry Farendorf, and I have been a beer professional for 28 years now. I went pro in 1988. I was a brewmaster for 19 years. Then I quit my, uh, my job that I'd had for 17 years as brewmaster at Steelhead in Eugene, Oregon. Went on the road as a gypsy brewer. 139-day uh, road trip, visited 71 breweries, brewed at 38 of them. Kind of a job hunting trip, too. When I, and you covered that trip in... I did at roadbrewer.com. Right. Right, and I wrote an article in New Brewer Magazine, too. And when I got back, and I'm an award-winning great... You know, Great American Beer Festival winner. I'm a GABF judge, World Beer Cup judge. Terry has creds. I That's founded, right. <laughs> I founded the Pink Boots Society. Yay for the Pink Boots Society. All, this, all sorts of stuff. And so, um, so, yeah, we're making beer cool for gals. So uh-huh. a lot more women are joining the industry because, you know, Pink Boots members are really good beer role models compared to the Swedish bikini team. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So at any rate. Um, and, and high heels on beers and, wait, what? No. Yeah, no, stuff. Mind. Goofy stuff like that, you know. Just make damn good beer. We'll find it. <laughs> so, um, so then now, uh, uh, in '89, then oh, then after I was a gypsy brewer, I came back and I, um, I worked at a beer store. I figure I've been in my little fish bowl back in the brewery. I need to know what are people asking for up front. So I worked at a beer store as a, a beer clerk, but really I was a beer matchmaker and a beer detective, is what oh, that I like entails. That. Yeah. Denny, somebody... cue, cue the Elvis Costello. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. it's on the soundboard. Okay. So, uh, but that was fun because, you know, people come and say, hey, I was at a Belgian restaurant last night and I had this beer with a red label and I really liked it. So then I'm the beer detective. And when I'm a beer matchmaker, like this one guy comes and says, hey, I'm a, I'm a beer drinker and my girlfriend isn't and I want her to be a beer drinker. So you got to find me a beer that she likes. So I'm asking her all the food questions. You know, do you like smoke food? No. Do you like chocolate? Yes. Dark chocolate, milk chocolate, milk chocolate. Okay. Coffee? Yes. Uh, black, milk and sugar, milk and sugar, a little or a lot, a lot. Okay, she likes sweet things, so and she likes chocolate, so I set her up with a um, Younger's uh, double chocolate stout in the can because it's less harsh than the bottle because yeah, of the nitrogen. And then I sent her home with some Ben & Jerry's Rocky Road ice cream, and I said, make oh some, some floats. <laughs> and so she loved it. She came back the next week and ordered up again. She goes, I'm now a beer drinker. I'm so happy. <laughs> and my boyfriend's so happy, too. So, okay, so that was that. And then the next thing after that I did is I went into sales for Country Mall Group, these guys, mm-hmm. for six years. And I recently switched jobs within the company that I work for. Uh, the sister company is Great Western Malting Company, and I am the new Malt Innovation Center Manager. 
Now, is that the most awesome title you ever heard? I don't know. Well, Mall and, Innovation Center Manager. And Great Western has been around for Since decades. 1934, since five months after the repeal of Prohibition. And wow. if you're familiar with those West Coast breweries, like, um, oh, Amos 6 is one that's not around anymore, but Rainier and Olympia and uh, Henry Weinhardt, well, their brothers started Great Western Malting because the one brothers were famous as the brewers, but somebody had to bring a malted barley and before prohibition ended so there could be beer ready to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So they cited it in the port of Vancouver there so that um, they could take barges of barley up the Columbia River from um, eastern Washington and Oregon and Idaho. They had to actually start the repeal prohibition probably a whole growing season before prohibition was repealed, so they had to get the hops and the malt in the pipeline that hadn't been there. It's really interesting if you think about it. Yeah, I always wondered why they were located where they were, and now it makes perfect sense. Yeah, they're near all those breweries. They needed to get the grain up the river, and they knew that those small breweries were not enough of a business to actually form a real malt-producing business. So what they did is, in the port there, they could export to Central America, South America, and they did that. Back in the beginning, they were exporting U.S. Western grown Turo all over the place. Well, and, and for the homebrewers who are in the audience, uh, one of the things that uh, cracks me up is I, I do a lot of homebrew research because nerd, and one of the things I do is I go dig through my club's newsletters. So I have club newsletters going all the way back to 1976. And from yeah, all different clubs or just the Maltos Falcons? Uh, from the Maltos Falcons. I have a oh, bunch awesome. of, I have a bunch of uh, different club newsletters from the 80s uh, that I actually need to scan in and preserve because I don't think they're oh, anywhere yeah. else. Uh, but yeah, I always laugh because Great Western used to have an L.A. facility. Yes, they did. And so you see things where the homebrew club is talking about, hey, we're going to do a grain buy and we're going to get these barrels from Great Western and we're going to go down, we're going to tour the facility, and we'll get these these barrels And Hey, it's the freshest malt we can ever get because it's right there. And they were having a great time with it. So it was really awesome to see that even all the way back then, Great Western... Remember, this is craft beer, good beer, small beer thing is not a thing at this point. But the, the folks at Great Western were still supporting the hobby at that time. Big time, yeah, and in fact, you know, I think that the reason why Portland became Beervana in a way is because the supply was so good there. The water was great, the hops were nearby in Yakima and in the Willamette Valley there, and then the malt with Great Western Malting, um, the first craft breweries, they would just line the bed of their pickup truck with a tarp and just drive over to Great Western and they just would weigh the truck before and after and drop the malt in out of a, out of a silo. Yeah, sir, can I have one pickup bed truck full of malt? Yeah, it'd be, you know, if you had a one-ton pickup, that's about right. Yeah. You know, you get one ton of malt. There you go. And and you and Brees was a huge supporter too. A lot of the other malt suppliers that weren't su supporters, like Schreier. I mean, Schreier would sell you ten thousand pounds of Crystal Sixty, <laughs> but um, you know, and and I worked for Triple Rock when that's what we would buy. We'd have to buy like two years worth at a time, so we had ten thousand pounds of Crystal Sixty. So a little bit went into a lot of things. <laughs> oh yeah, no. You got what you could get. Yeah, and, well, and, and it's funny because you think about like the number of places where it's still, oh yeah, if we want to get a silo, we got to get a silo with XYZ pounds of grain. But yeah, it's nice to see that all the companies have kind of shifted around to do sort of smaller supplies. Big so, time, yeah, definitely. So, now, real quick, I want to say 
we had just talked to we had just talked about the Laughlin Waltz, right? And the the Mays Folly, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that in the beer itself we have the Laughlin Malt. We did, and, and then we have the Sacra Malt. Right? We did. We had the Sacra Fifty. All right. So the Sacra Fifty. Now, how does what sort of strengths does the Sacra come? Is it like a couple different varieties, or? Well, right now it's a brand new malt for us, so we're just developing the technology. We've got samples of it here. It came in a little low. You would substitute that for a Crystal 40, the okay. stuff we got here. But normally you'd be able to substitute it for like a Crystal 50. That's that's a target we're going for. Um, we use 2% in the Maves, what's it called? Maves Revenge? Yeah, Maves Folly, I think. Maves Folly, okay. We use 2% in that because we wanted a pale ale, kind of a copper color, and we, tar- we hit that. Um, and we didn't want to dominate over the Irish malt, the Laughrin malt. We really wanted people to be able to taste that Laughrin malt. Right. So, yeah, so I think it's a nice balance. Um, the hops is, is it's 30 level bond on the hops was the calculated, and then it had some East Kent in the finishing. So it, it, I think that it maybe ended up a little more bitter, but it's pretty young, too. It's... It's been aging out nicely. I mean, it's probably on day 14 only today. It's got a gorgeous malt character to it. I really, yeah. really love that about that beer. Yeah, and I think that anybody who wants to put 98% Laughrin and 2% Sacra 50 in a beer is going to be really happy with it. <laughs> well, yeah. and for for those percentages, this actually tastes really complex. Now, so right now this is still in sort of development stage. Is there a... Oh, it's available. It's available? Is you, it available all the way to the homebrew level? Or? all the way to the homebrew level. If your homebrew shop doesn't carry it, you just ask for it by name. Great Western Malting, Sacra 50, and your homebrew shop will source it from Brewcraft USA. Um, we've got it in every warehouse across North America right now. Awesome. Because I was going to say, I mean, like, my base malt, if I'm not using Maris Otter, mm-hmm. is actually the Great Western California Select. Oh, that's that's a great malt. Yeah, I, I love that one, and that's a, a California-specific malt. Right, it's grown up near the Tule Lake region, right on the border of California. And an interesting story about that malt is that we wanted to have Oregon Select and California Select, but it's the same farmers, and they're on both sides of State Line Road. <laughs> And so we're trying to tell them to put these malts from their fields, which are the exact same microclimate, into separate silo, you know, grain bins in the field. And they're like, What are you talking no, about? No, why? And we're like, Because we're trying to do state select. And oh, they had the hardest time wrapping their heads around that. Well, it's the same malt, it's just across the street. I'm like, We know, we know, we're sorry. Well, all I can say is, I love the malts that you guys are producing. I love, I love the, the character that we're getting here, both from the Laughlin malt and from. The, yeah, the, neither the one dominates. They're really well balanced on the, the yeah. malt profile there. So I'm, I'm really excited to see it because I think with the current IPA except, uh, obsession that everybody has in the mm-hmm. world and the, the sort of the rule of no crystals ever, no crystals are bad, they mess up your beer. These are a little different than a yeah. regular crystal. This, I think, can give you a little bit of that character people want out of the crystal without getting in the way of the hops. Right. And this may be like a really good change for the brewing industry in terms of the IPA world. Oh, I think so too. If you want, if you want to use a crystal in an IPA, this is the only one I would use because I don't want my crystals to dominate my hops. And this, to me, if you taste it over there, I mean, think about Munich on steroids that you've taken to sacrification temperature. That's kind of what this is. And I like Munichs in my IPAs, so I'm thinking some of that stewed Munich kind of character still comes through. Yeah. Well, well, I was gonna say it is very much like, you know, like everybody's been kind of on the Kara Red thing recently, or mm-hmm. uh, Red X. I think is the other one. Mm-hmm. You get that big red, but there's not a lot of malt character behind it. This seems to combine 
some of those good toasty malt characters with that color addition. Yeah. So that's really good. I think so too. Terry, thank you so much You're for welcome. joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're going to take a quick break here and get Jonathan Etley from Craftmeister up here to talk about some of their products. HomebrewCon, formerly known as the National Homebrew Convention, NHC. We're in Baltimore, and we've just been joined by Jonathan Etley from Craftmeister. How you doing, hey guys? Great hey. to have you here. Get up real close to that mic because it's noisy in up, here. Up close and personal, is that better? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, it, it, in some states this might be considered a crime, how close you have to sit to the mics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. So what's uh, what's up at Craftmeister these days, man? Ah, I mean, uh, uh, Craftmeister is uh, uh, moving forward in the uh, the world of making your cleaning and sanitizing world as easy as possible and also as safe as possible. I mean, we I mean, you know that Drew and I love your stuff. We talk about it all the time. We use it, um, and you you got uh, samples included in the gift bags here so that uh, more people can try it out. That's right. Yeah, we uh, we threw a little uh, two ounce pouch of our Craftmeister uh, Alkaline Brewery Wash in everyone's uh, swag attendee bag. So uh, please take it home and uh, try it out. That that Alkaline Wash man just rocks my cleaning world. Like I Yeah, and uh, uh, as you're fond of saying, Denny, it uh, it does a fantastic job of cleaning in uh, cold tap water. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's what's really cool about it. My brewery have a real limited amount of. Uh, hot water coming out of my water heater so it's really great that i can get stuff super clean using cold water no i, I appreciate that at home too i mean uh and uh even in some longer soaks and uh, uh recirculating situations as the temperature uh might drop in your solution uh it's nice knowing that your cleaner is going to be reliable and effective in uh in cold water yeah and that's exactly what i do with my keg cleaner where it, i don't have a heater in it so the temperature goes down no matter what i do Absolutely, yeah. And uh, if you want to take it a step further and get even easier, uh, we even make uh, pre-measured tablet-based cleaners. Where, yeah, you just drop them right in, walk away, come back, and boom, clean. That's yeah. correct. You know, it ended up in a long brew day. You might have a hard time counting to six or eight or ten on the number of scoops you need for your uh, for your cleaner. Wait, uh, wait, that that might have been Denny at the end of batch five hundred. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> Congrats, Denny. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, it was uh, it was a good thing to get out of the way so I can move in move on with my life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on the on the quest for a six hundred now, right? Uh, you know, I am. If I live to be to make six hundred, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> you hey, got to get hey, to work. Hey, listen. Until you teach me audio editing, you are not allowed to die. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you got to keep brewing. <laughs> That's the deal. I promise not to die yet. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, uh, uh, is there anything else that, that you guys have coming up on the horizon? Like, where uh, new places people can find your products, new new things that are coming around? Or um, I, I would give a plug for uh, my friends at More Beer. They've been a great partner for us, and you can find our full product line and more at morebeer.com. Uh, uh, for retailers, uh, it's getting easier and easier to uh, find a location to uh, get our product onto store shelves. 
Uh, and for homebrewers, uh, the best advice I can give you is if you want to try our products and your shop doesn't carry it, you got to ask for it by name. There you go. But, and, I, and I would also say you guys are doing a pretty good job of uh, some competition sponsorship. If people are running competitions and they want a little extra swag, eh, swaggy gift or a raffle thing, you guys are usually fairly willing to, to ship some out. I am, absolutely. Yeah, if your uh, club is running a competition sponsorship, uh, click on the Craftmeister website. I answer all the emails that come to the Craftmeister info line. Uh, I'm happy to ship your club some uh, product for uh, giveaways for prizes, stewards and judges, the thankless guys. Uh, they need a little something to keep them going. Yeah, and remember, don't be cruel. Don't take advantage. Actually, make sure you share the love. That's yes. That's right. That's right. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us today. I know you got to get Merle to the airport. Uh, Hopefully you can fly this time. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We're going to play a little bit of music here, and when we come back, we will have one of our Igors with us for a beer tasting. We are back. We have Igor, Nikki Forster, with us today. And Nikki has participated in several of our Igor experiments, which we appreciate greatly. And she's brought us some beer to taste today. Which we appreciate even more greatly. <laughs> because, after all, it's NHC or Homebrew Con. What do we lack here? Beer. Beer, yeah, right. There's just not enough beer in this place. All right, so uh, Nikki, why don't you introduce everybody to, uh, out there? Since uh, you have been featured before on the podcast for the the interesting experimental results. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry uh, about but, that. <laughs> but, uh, hey, no, that's not no, a story. That's cool. That that's was cool. good. But, you know, most of the listeners, they wouldn't have had a chance to actually hear from you. So why don't you go ahead and, and uh, tell everybody about yourself, your brewing history, etc. Okay. So uh, my name is Nikki. I uh, live in Rochester, New York, and I've been homebrewing for about five years all grain for probably the last three, um, thanks to a couple of our good friends, Rachel and Lisa, that uh, we brew at home with. And um, my day job, I work as an academic advisor um, at a local college, and then working with college students sometimes makes you want to drink. <laughs> so I uh, got involved with um, a beer science uh, program through Buffalo. Uh, Erie Community College is taking some classes through that, brewing science, and um, I'm working for Rochester's oldest uh, craft brewery, Rohrbox, 
um, in their tasting room, and I've been able to brew with some of the professional brewers there, and, and uh, just really enjoying getting involved in the hobby and learning a little bit more. So I brought um, a coffee milk stout that I've brewed um, that's gotten some good feedback, and I'm hoping for you guys to maybe taste it and help me fill in, get some impressions, but fill in the middle. Um, just in general. All right. Well, what, uh, what let's do we drink. Get, yeah, let's get let's get a couple of glasses of this going. All right. I, I'd like to say that this is not only the first time Drew and I have done this podcast, being in the same place at the same time. This is the first time I've ever recorded this podcast while I've been drinking. So uh, <laughs> anything is possible from here on out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> if suddenly the audio goes wonky. Uh, blame Denny's beer hands. That's right. That's right. So. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit of the details about the milk stout while we uh, uh, sit here and guzzle. Okay. So um, the milk stout's based off of a clone recipe from the Sierra Nevada and Nkazi, um collaboration brew that they did a while ago, which I tweaked a little bit based on malts that were available in my area um, and some things that I was trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and tried to brew with one of our local uh, Rochester uh, coffee shops that we have, Joe Bean, which makes a, a really, really nice um, variety of coffees. Talked to my brother Scott out in California who brews coffee and wanted to go for a nice medium roast, something um, South American um, that didn't have a lot of fruity flavors to it, more earthy you know, tones. Um, so this is my attempt uh, <laughs> to make something out of those combinations. So we, we've got uh, how big? How big is the beer that we're talking about right now? This beer is seven uh, percent ABV. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal was to have a nice medium uh, mouthfeel, nice um, coffee aroma to start with. Not much bittering um, in the initial aroma. A little bit in the flavor, um, and then just a nice roasty um, sweet finish with the lactose addition um, for the milk stout portion. Talk to me about the hopping. So the hopping is um, nugget-based, 60 minutes in the boil, um, and then 15-minute late hop addition in the boil um, for that earthy, herbal uh, character that we were going for. I'm, I'm definitely getting that, no okay. doubt about it. And then um, no dry hops, no hops after um, flame out. And so, Go ahead. I was going to say, so so are you happy with this beer? Do you, do you need ideas i mean you said you were going for a nice medium body and you have definitely nailed that you know thank you yeah i mean this is it's rich but without being sickly sweet it has depth of body and again doesn't it doesn't end like a lot of stouts do where you get into that kind of dark roast (laughs) yeah that that's what i thought too you know it's really really nicely balanced um I, I was expecting something with more body to it, and the, no, the fact that it, it doesn't have it is not a bad thing. No, the, it makes it easier to drink. Yeah, exactly. Where, where this is right now, this is actually a very perfectly drinkable beer. I would call this dangerously drinkable. <laughs> well, and I think actually the only thing, my only question or, or possible avenue of exploration in terms of change is probably actually in the coffee choice. Uh, and it's not because it's anything that's directly or distinctly horrible. Like, it's not giving a huge off character, but, like, I'm really sensitive to uh, green pepper jalapeno yes. flavors. And that's something, I, so this is the second rendition. Um, I brought the first one to our local homebrew group, Uniha, 
um, and that was something that people were picking up on um, from the Joe Bean. So I switched to our local grocery store is Wegmans, um, mm -hmm. which is around here, I believe, as well. Um, I, I think Wegmans is almost everywhere. Everywhere right, so. at this point. So I went with um, a Wegmans Kona blend from Columbia, um, trying to get something a little bit darker to get rid of the green pepper. Um, that yeah, we're this one has on. just the faintest. Just, I know, and once you, maybe on the initial sip, um, just the suggestion of it, I pick it up immediately. Yep. But uh, but what I like is that, okay, so after you get past the green pepper part, the coffee that's in there has that wonderful sort of uh, uh, big sweet coffee oil type thing where you're getting that rich, that warm coffee thing with a little bit of the fruit. You said you purposely chose a, a strain that didn't have a lot of fruitiness to mm -hmm. it. Uh, but yeah, it's just like right at the very beginning, is there's just that tiny titch of the the, the, the green pepper yeah. and uh, whatever it is what it is but I mean once, you, once you're past that little bit then everything else about the beer is really fantastic thank you you know what what crosses my mind is I would love to try this beer and maybe some of James's Irish malt there we go I'll bet, oh, that, oh, I'll that bet nice this couple? beer would seriously seriously rock with some of that stuff well that's so, a uh, <laughs> you know once we get our samples we'll see what we can do Nikki that would be great. Some to you to, to check out because I think I think that that would be the, the finishing touch on an already really great beer. Thank you. Um, the feedback I've gotten just from some of the competitions I put it into um, has been missing a little bit in the middle, um, building up that mid flavor with yep. um, you know some some maybe stronger malts. Um, I, I think I think that that Irish malt would do a lot to get there. Yeah, because I mean here. Uh, I think the Irish malt will get you there because, or a stout malt in general will get you there just because you said it was what, two, just two row? Or was it Maris? It's a two row chocolate caramel oh. 90. I think even just stepping up to a Maris would get you there because I always get a little worried when everybody says, whenever somebody says, oh, you need to build up your mid body. And that thing gets interpreted like, oh, it's got to be like a sweeter thing or something like that. And it's really hard to quantify what that is, which is, I think, why a lot of beer judges go for it because. What does it mean? Um, but I think, yeah, a little bit of something like a Maris, the Laughlin malt, like one of those heartier pale malts would actually do something for you in that sense. Because I wouldn't want to, to mess around with too many of the other malt characters you've got going on. Yeah, I know. Because right now, it's This, it's this beer well. is 90% there, you know? All right. So, uh, Nikki, you have another beer for us, right? Nope, same beer. I just brought some more to share. Oh, you just brought more to share? Yep. Well, then there you go. There we uh -oh. go. You know what? You should share it with these people out here we who should have been definitely. standing around. About. Yeah. All right. Well, hey. So, real quick, uh, suddenly madness and chaos is happening around us. <laughs> hey. Nobody knows what the f is happening anymore. We're going we're gonna to get Marshall uh, shot to sit down here and talk to us a minute about all these beers that he just brought us. Before we do that, though, we are going to have our first experimental brewing giveaway. My friend, Harry Sanger, who works for Sierra Nevada in Asheville, just brought this killer Sierra Nevada shirt by. And we're going to give this shirt to the first person who can tell us what beer style Drew is known for. Who was first? Clam chowder. Here we go. All right, we have given away the shirt. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Sierra Nevada. Thank you, Nikki, for bringing us Thanks, the beers. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. Cheers. Marshall, come on over and sit down here, buddy. All right. 
So now, uh, for those of you uh, who uh, may be weirdly unaware, or maybe you've never listened to the podcast, or Why you've do never I have eight those glasses in front. Of you've me? never spent any time on the internet. Uh, Marshall is uh, sort of our comrade in science, and it kind of it comes on the podcast, helps us out from time to time. And by the way, not only is this the first time that Denny and I have been in the same room doing the podcast. This is the first time all three of us have now been on a podcast. It feels so good. This is a monumental (laughs) moment, man. The clouds are parting, Denny. (laughs) This is is too cold. But is that the clouds are parting like the clouds are parting and the sun is coming through? Or the clouds are parting and it's the end of the world like Ghostbusters? That's that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, all right. We we love having Marshall on the show, man. He's a lot of fun and we all kind of like have the same philosophy about brewing. uh, All right, so now Marshall has dropped three glasses in front of us. And three multi-pastel colored glasses. And, and, and his, his brewing comrade-in-arms, Malcolm, is standing off in the corner, I think, stand, getting ready to make fun of us for doing this wrong. <laughs> well, and, and to cut you off, Ed Coffey from AlesOfTheRiverWards.com is the brewer of these beers. Hey, there you go, Ed. Um, so Makes some of the best hoppy beers I've had from Homebrewer. Great stuff. There we go. All right. So... Now, we know absolutely jack-all about what's going on here in the glasses. Oh, good catch, Marshall. <laughs> Marshall has, obviously, the, the incredible superior reflexes of a beer ninja. Someone, someone lubed that bottle, I'm telling you. <laughs> Is it more impressive that he dropped it in the first place or that he caught it after? <laughs> it's, yes. it's more impressive that he caught it. Because uh, 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 I think that was one of Nikki's bottles <laughs> that just uh, kind of went a little haywire over here. All right, so we have three glasses in front of us, a blue, a red, and a green. We know nothing about them. And now Denny and I are going to do the classic triangle test and decide which one is different. All right, do it. So, Marshall, uh, you need a vamp while I was trying to think of how I could make fun of you guys right now. Uh, Talk about how we look like uh, somebody from Sideways. (laughs) You look so svelte. My friend, let's talk about your weight again. <laughs> 113 pounds strong. Ooh, there you go, that. man. Wow, really? So this is kind of... Yeah, what, so the beer... Right, every time I pick up a glass, I'm going, I think I've got a different... Uh, oh, that's the one that's different. Yep. And it's like, really? Yeah, I will say that uh, the variable on this one uh, is is something that's been talked about quite a bit lately uh, in the homebrew world. And... Uh, oh, I think, no. <laughs> oh no! I think it's. Re- I may know where this is going. <laughs> and uh, I think it's relevant for both Ed and my websites. Um, well, don't give us any more hints. I'm not. That's it. That's all, okay, as far as I'm going. I am. I'm ready to make a choice. Are you going public with your choice? Oh, do I have to say? I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know the right. I know the right answer, so I can tell you if you're right or wrong. Um. We are I, done collecting data after this. So, are you are you uh, are you ready to decide, Drew? Give me one more minute. Vamp some sort of. Weird See, thing. I think here's what you do. He's really not thinking about the beer. He's just drinking. So you gotta. I am Irish. So that you don't change your mind, you guys need to write the color down privately. Here. Hey, that's hey, Marshall those is now tearing us. up our advertising. <laughs> no, I'm gonna keep that one. Sign it when you're done. <laughs> Let me borrow your pen. This this is this like a stout porter? Yeah, it's a milk stout. Milk stout, it's so good. I know, Nikki, Nikki, Marshall loves your milk stout. It's fantastic. Thank you for sharing it. All right, now here here's the fun part about all this. 
we now get to look like idiots because I'm assuming none of us are getting it right. And I, Drew and I both pick different beers. So, uh, Does Denny have... Didn't I give you mine? Oh, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> These are, and those were the two I was choosing between. So, so uh, we're done collecting data. Let's call it, and we'll, we'll let you guys know what we did. So, what, what did you think it was? Did you think you could guess, Denny, what we were doing? Um, I, you know, basically, from the comments you made, I would guess that it was low oxygen. No? Oh. Uh, the other thing that I, I mean, but before, before that, I thought maybe it was like a New England IPA kind of thing. You're right. Because I detected a softer hop character in the green beer than in the other two. Okay. It, we, this is a New England IPA, uh, modeled after Hop Hands, Ed? Yeah, Tired Hands. Tired Hands, yeah. More like a pale ale. Pale ale, yeah. And so, there's been a lot of talk lately about the impact of fining yep. on... Ah, this is gelatin versus... Versus nothing. All right. But in a New England IPA. Now, one of the things New England IPA is kind of known for is being made with a high percentage of oats yeah. in the grist. Um, and that, and, and I, so, this is kind of a, a two-way experiment here. I wanted to see what the impact of gelatin would be on that, that oat haze and... Um, Side by side, they, they look about the same, actually, and it's they're hazy. They didn't clear up. Mm. But interestingly... Um, Neither of us got the right one, did no, we? No, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the, I was going to say, now that I look at them visually, yeah, which is what you're not supposed to do during a triangle test. Unless the, <laughs> which the is test why they were serving no paint cups. Yeah, exactly. 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 You, look at, you look at green and blue, which is the two that Day and I chose, and they look identical that way. And then you look at red, and red does look different, so... I have failed, and so is Denny. We are terrible people. <laughs> so, so it was red that was the beer that was different. Nobody will ever believe a single thing we say again. No, if they, well, they already know it, Denny. I was going to say, does <laughs> yeah. anybody believe a single thing we say? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah and, and this is why it's important to do this, is because, to me, like, I got down to this point where I felt like, okay, so red... Red and, gr uh, red and green, to me, felt like they had a sharper bitterness and that's why I chose blue, because blue felt softer. And green felt softer to me. Yeah, which obviously means that you and I both got messed up in our tastings because we crossed over these two. All right? Boy. See, and I just want to point out that all of you homebrewers out there who go, oh, yeah, man, I changed this in my beer, and it's way better, you probably don't really know that, you know? <laughs> and I don't, want to words. I don't want to insult anybody. But uh, I say that from my own experience, you know, that I have discovered that uh, unless I do something like this, I can't tell. And even when I do something like this, I may not be able to tell. And, I, and, and side by side, I think uh, Malcolm, Ed, and I all kind of blindly tested ourselves, and neither of us got it either. Yeah. So oh, well, they, I, feel, they, I feel better about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm one of a large group of idiots. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> idiots unite! I, I think what's curious, though, is that, you know, the gelatin is going to pull stuff out. It just didn't yeah. pull out whatever haze causing uh, stuff from oats, the right. proteins from oats right. out, fine. Um, and side by side, they do look a little different, like you, like you noticed, Drew. Um, but I think what's interesting is that it doesn't, it's what we're finding so far over a series of these experiments is that finding with gelatin doesn't seem to cause a noticeable impact compared to finding with nothing, uh, yep. finding with biofine or clarity well, firm. Now, that's a noticeable impact to flavor and aroma. Flavor and aroma, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The perceptible stuff that's not appearance. Visual. Yeah. Yeah, so it's cool. I, I, I'll keep using it. All right, so hey, real quick out there in the audience, is anybody surprised by this? Yeah, because it is 
you know, one of these things. People are like, oh, hey, no, you got to be careful with gelatin. Gelatin strips your hop character. So, anybody surprised? Well, how many? All right. So, everybody who's not out there, because it's hard to hear, you can't hear anything from the audience, but Ed is now saying, this is how it started because we all said this was good. Oh, no, gelatin's going to do this, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, now that's why you do this experiment. And by the way, this is why you do these experiments or why we do these experiments between uh, Marshall's crew and our crew uh, just to have some fun and, and put out some information that might be possibly useful to people. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, with, with you know a lot of people, especially homebrewers, are, you know, who cares if it's hazy or not? But some of us are more vain and we like pretty beer. Or we view clear, clear beer as being prettier. And, well, hey, if I it's mean, not going to change the flavor of the beer, which we haven't found it to. Yeah. But let's face it. Some of us, the only pretty we can ever achieve is in our beer. Yeah, amen. That's yeah. true, man. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and then the people wife. we marry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, look, I'm happy I'm married because I don't ever have to worry about pre- being pretty ever again. <laughs> Marshall, thanks a whole hey, bunch thanks a lot, for guys. And thanks for brewing the beers, thanks, buddy. Sorry for spilling the beer over here. Really? So we had a question. Is that guy still around here somewhere? No? Who knows? We're going to play some music. We're going to get... Uh... Oh, look. It's a picture. Did I get it? Yep. We're going to play some music, and we're going to get Annie Johnson from Pico Brew up here to talk about what's going on there. We're going to talk to Annie Johnson from Pico Brew before we dive into a few questions. Hiya, kiddo. How are you? Hi. How are you? I am just wonderful. It's so great to have you here. It's good to see you guys. Did did you bring us any beer so we can add to Denny's uh, glass collection? I brought squat. Ah. (laughs) Denny will love you for that. Would you like one? Yes, because I'm dry. (laughs) There you go. That's the experimental IPAs all poured together. Oh, yeah. Hey, good point. Yum. <laughs> so, uh, what's new in the Pico Brew world? Uh, well, we have our wonderful 73H van, our French Citron Pico truck. This is the coolest van I have ever seen in my life. It's pretty cool, and we brought that out. I always call it the Lady in the Tramp vehicle because it reminds me of the one that you see right in the cartoon in the beginning when it's cruising down the alley. And we brought our Pico, which just made its debut. And we have wonderful Pico packs that designed by both of you, which I'm really excited about having. That reminds me, i got to go see mine so I can, uh, so I can go thumbs up on the picture. That's right, because we didn't know if we were going to use your that wonderful, whoever did the caricature, the drawing is great. And then we also have a really nice picture of you. So. Yeah, I, well, I think uh, both of those are wonderful, so whichever one you chose is fine. Um, so... But yeah, let's talk a little bit about about the Pico because the Pico is now actually like becoming a thing that is in reality, right? 
Yeah, just made its debut. Um, we launched it last weekend, and we have it out to our first customers, and then we're rolling out to all of our Kickstarter backers, and then we'll be pushing it out to our pre-orders, general availability in August. It's quite a big deal. It's made in San Jose, California, which is very cool. And then we do all the Pico Packs, which are pre-packaged hops and grain to the recipe um, made up in Seattle, fresh. Now, so for everybody who doesn't know, because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of talk that's been going around about, oh, well, you know, this is like the Keurig of beer making with the Pico Packs and everything. So if I'm a consumer and I have... Uh, a Pico, which uh, what, that's a one-gallon system. Yeah, it produces about five liters, one point two five-ish. Yeah. So I get this Pico pack. Now, do I have to do anything special with it because of the hops? Is it like is it store this in the fridge? Is it store it on the counter or brew it immediately? Or the way that it comes to you in the pack is that they're they're vacuum sealed, mm-hmm. and then the yeast as well. Um, we're partnering with both Fermentis and White Labs. And then the yeast, you just, if you're not going to use it, there's instructions on the box. Say, please put this in the refrigerator uh, if you're not going to brew right away. And then you just load it up. There's a chip on the Pico Pack itself, which, by the way, is compostable. It's made of coconut fibers and sugar cane. I love that part. Yeah, you got to be in Seattle all the way. And then, uh, so as soon as you insert it into the Pico, it knows the recipe and it loads the mashing profile and the Pico is powered by steam so it's wonderful there's a steam engine inside that's what blows me away (laughs) me too (laughs) steam (laughs) who would have thought you could like mash with steam well the rumor is it's all my hot air that was the inspiration (laughs) for the Pico Hot, uh, Annie's hot air and tech vapor powering yeah. the Pico Brewery. Yeah. My Ms. Blowhard. <laughs> so, so the Pico is actually shipping now to the Kickstarter backers, is that yes, correct? Yes, that's correct. And, and then it's still available for pre-order for anybody who's interested. And it's worldwide, and we've partnered with, with master brewers such as yourselves. And then also, I know Terry Farendorf's here. She's contributed a recipe, and then we also have signed up just over 100 breweries, big ones like 21st Amendment and Rogue and Abita, and then Oakshire, one of my favorites, yeah. and a lot of smaller independent breweries, High Water, which is just steamrolling with all their wonderful beers. So and the idea mm-hmm. is that people can brew beers from all these breweries. That's right, themselves. fresh at home, anywhere in the world, and we also have international breweries from Ireland, the UK, Colombia, which is a big up-and-coming wow. brew scene, and Brazil, where I know you visited. Oh, yeah. The yeah. brewing scene in Brazil is amazing. It's very cool. Peru, we even have a Peruvian brewery. So it's wow. really kind of cool to get all this beer, and then it's truly democratizing. And then anybody who's in our program, mm-hmm. and it's open to home brewers as well, makes a royalty off of every pack sold. Yay. Yay. Yay for royalty. So there's money for everyone. That's <laughs> so the Pico Brew's not in the business, obviously, of making any money. We're just oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Of the beer. <laughs> just give it away. It's a nice marriage of, of technology and brewing. And it's, you know, I see so many new automated products on the market now. It's amazing. I mean, it was difficult to be the new kid on the block, but... You see them out, and yeah, there's one that's like to my left, a new one by Whirlpool, 
for automated fermentation, which is amazing. Yep, Similar I was to one of ours. That yesterday. Yeah, so it's 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 cool. It's no longer taboo or you're stealing from my soul, my brewing soul. Or that's not real brewing. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. uh, don't go there with her, man. No, uh, no. <laughs> this IPA blend's pretty good. Yeah, actually, it's pretty damn decent. So uh, uh, thanks to Ed Coffee for providing us uh, three beers to combine or two beers to combine together to make. Yeah, thanks, Ed. <laughs> a wonderful IPA. Okay, Annie, thank you thank so you. much for joining us today to talk about what's new at Pico Brew. Uh, let me tell you guys, if you're looking for a really easy way to brew great beer, both the Zymatic and the Pico are stuff you want to check out. Take it from me. So, uh, Can we take a brief break? Yep, we're going to take a break right now. We will be back in a moment.
Alrighty, we are back with the Experimental Brewing Podcast live from HomebrewCon 2016 in Baltimore. We just had a question dropped on us by Jennifer Endicott, who will be doing a seminar tomorrow morning here at the uh, conference. She wanted to know what we think about how vigorous a boil needs to be and uh, what happens and why should the boil be like that. You want to go first? Yeah, I think uh, it needs to be as vigorous as you need to get to have a little bit of ripple on the top of the beer. And otherwise, I don't think it matters much as long as you're getting characters out of the malt that you want. I think that that's probably pretty true. Uh, I think that, uh, that you know, it, it's important to have a, a boil that moves the word around uh, Theoretically, it, uh, it aids in uh, proteins colliding and clumping together and clearing the beer. Um, and I also think that, uh, you know, how I mean, uh, some people have said that uh, the boil can be too vigorous. I have not really run into that issue. Uh, I have a tendency to boil to gravity rather than for a certain length of time. And if I've been out there boiling for an hour or 75 minutes and I'm still not at the, the OG that I want, I have no problems with just cranking up my flame and uh, letting it go. Oh, that was one of the mistakes I made when I've been drinking on my 500th batch. Oh, well, yeah, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> well, the only time I ever think I've ever taken a boil too far was the time I did my 19-hour boil, damn heavy, uh, we, uh, Scottish Ale. And I think that was just because it concentrated too much. The longest one I've done, I did a 14-hour boil for a uh, Beard in the Well because my wife was out of town and I figured, what the hell else do I have to do? Yeah, smoke some ribs, make some beer, let's have some Smoke fun. some what? Ribs. It's hard to keep them lit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever, Mr. Gardner, man. <laughs> All right. Has anybody out here in the audience who got a question that you want to ask? Come up and uh, I got a mic. I'll give it to you. And then come we'll on, answer come it. on. Ask us something embarrassing. Come on. Otherwise, something like, why do you play that damn ukulele? Hey, here comes Chris Graham. Chris Graham might have some questions for us. Actually, let's have Chris sit down and talk about B3. All right, Chris, get your butt over here. We got beer over here. <laughs> so we're going to be talking to uh, Chris Graham, one of the principals of uh, Beer, Beer, and More Beer, about uh, about what they've got going on these days. And, uh, why not get and, and why he doesn't have a beer in his glass. There are several long nights. <laughs> all strung together in a row. You need to get right up on that mic, man, because we have so much back. Is that a little better? Oh, yes, there right. it is. Now. I've never known to be quiet, so. That's true, man. I've known you a long time, and I can, that's one thing I can't say. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's new in the world of more beer these days? Faster, 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 bigger, stronger. <laughs> Sounds like Drew. Did that? Oh, yeah, exactly. I, Look I, at this guy. I know. Well, it's either Kanye or Daft Punk or Take a Pick. <laughs> so, and, and, and just for the record, I did, uh, when asked to pour Chris a beer, I did pour Denny's Rye Smile that is over here on the uh, on tap. So, which if I, I want to complain about it, it's. You can talk to the, uh, to the guy who designed <laughs> the recipe. Which I might mention is a kit that uh, you can get from Brewcraft along with several of our other of our recipes. Nice. Ooh, plugs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, so what's what's the coolest new thing in your America? No, and I wasn't joking when bigger and faster. That that's what we've been working on. Yeah. And increasing product selection and decreasing shipping time. Oh man, that's something people are gonna love. Yeah. So we just did it last week as we cut our uh, free shipping time. That you know we've always had a order today, and if you want free shipping, it ships a few days later. Now it's pretty much next business day. Oh, that's really cool, man. And, like, how much of that's, like, pressure from the Amazons of the world? Well, where do you think that came from? <laughs> where do you think I like to shop? <laughs> I want it. As soon as I decide to spend my money, I want that product in my hand as fast as I can get it. There you go. And I figured other people might be like me. And so we also just moved into a uh, much, much larger, about three times larger warehouse in the Bay Area. So now we have two very large distribution centers. Pittsburgh, California, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, you're going just for Pittsburgh. Is there a Pittsburgh somewhere in the middle of the country? That no, but that's in? a smart move. Yeah. So now, I, I was going to say, because you guys were in the process of trying to get everything into Pittsburgh, California, when we were there in November. Exactly. And so now, now that process is finally complete. Yes. Yes, we are fully in in both locations. There you go. All right. Yeah. Now, a lot, I would always say that a lot of people not only know you guys for being sort of uh, widely available in a big online beer store or big online brew store, capable of serving everybody's needs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you guys, really, when you first hit the market, you you hit your niche as like, hey, look, we're providing some really cool equipment, like the conicals and everything else. Uh, are you guys still going down that path? Is there anything new coming up that, that people should know about? Absolutely. Um, we are brewers ourselves. We love brewing. Um, that is just our passion or this is a, a passion term business 21 years ago and so with that we, we keep our R&D department we have a full-on welding department um, so that that allows us to bring things nuts to bolts and if you haven't seen our new um, digital brew system come by and check it out touchscreen controller um, all software based that I, I unfortunately wrote um, <laughs> wait hold on Somebody let you write the software? Well, uh, kind of. I I'm not going to take full credit for all the problems. <laughs> no, but it, it's really sweet. It'll walk you no. through your step mashes, alert you when you need to add hops at each, each edition. Um, and it's just a lot of fun to, to bring some of these products to market. Wow, that is really cool. Yeah, I got to learn Arduino from the inside out, and that was fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet, I'll bet the guys who work for your R&D department probably feel like they have about the coolest job in the world. Well, the, you want to know what's great is when you own the company, you get the, the most fun, because Darren and I are the R&D department. Oh, cool, <laughs> man. <laughs> so you don't even have to worry about paying them. Well, you know, beer pays for a lot. Now, I'm pretty dumb, so <laughs> I say I wrote the software. Really, I dictated the software and had a guy who was awesome enough customer who, who actually implemented it all. Well, there you go. That is really cool. See, now that sounds like my job as a manager nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, the middle hey, man. Hey, go, hey, go do this because I think that's awesome. Uh, well, it's, uh, is there anything else new that, uh, that people should be expecting from you guys over the next year before uh, we get to the next NHC or at HomebrewCon, sorry? Uh, come in here. Um, you know, we, we just released some new uh, corny kegs called torpedo kegs. They're stackable, all metal, really just they're, they're a lot of fun to design and build and, and, and get out to the market. Um, we're carrying pretty much every brand out there in the homebrew world now. That's our goal is to get everyone under one roof from Zymatic to uh, Blitman to more beer products to you name it. 
we're trying to make sure you can get it at Morbier. And then we'll be building a lot of stuff that hopefully takes care of the Internet of Things and, and have some fun out there. And you can also buy books written by two well-known podcasters from mm. Morbier. Uh, Those guys are here, too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Jamil and Tasty. Uh. There you go. <laughs> Those guys are totally around everywhere. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's always so good to hey, see you. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks a bunch, buddy. We hope to be down there in the Bay Area soon and see you there. Please come by and visit. We will. All right. Yeah, because you guys have multiple locations, and we've been to a good number of them. Yeah, you've been to pretty much four of them. Yeah, All right, right, there we go. Right. All right. Well, now, wait. Before, before we get to any other sort of questions, we have a pair of folks out here in the audience who are wearing some awesome hats and I need to have them talk on the, on the podcast Grab that microphone. all right let's get a microphone over here come on over here sir all right Sean introduce yourself tell uh, people why they they should know you how long you've been brewing and where you brew at uh, my name is Sean Hager I've uh, been brewing for about eight years now I work at a homebrew shop in Laurel Delaware called extreme brewing and this is my second uh, homebrew con cool <laughs> No, well, it's the first homebrew con. Oh, I'm sorry. This is my second AHA event. We'll there call it that. <laughs> well, all right. Now, and we have to describe to the audience these awesome hats that you are both wearing. Uh, this is this is my wife, Mary. Hi, I'm Mary. All right. Um, we got our hats. Uh, there's a really, really awesome uh, girl who makes them, on, and she sells them on Etsy. Really good friend of ours. Really cool. So we're basically hop heads. So we look like a... Uh, people with hops on our head, so there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh, here comes the All right, we got a smile now. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll put this pic up on our website so you can see these incredible hats. That, that sounds great. All right, well, now, you said this is your second NHC? Yeah. yeah we, right. did, we did the one in Philly as no, well. No, this is one NHC uh, yeah, 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 and one okay, homebrew con. Yes. Stop being see, I'm the guy who hates the name, and I'm trying to correct it. All right, <laughs> so this is your second uh, National Homebrewers co uh, Conference. HomebrewCon, NHC, whatever. Uh huh. Uh, what do you like about uh, the, the the whole event? Oh, everything. Uh, getting main main absolute most important part is meeting all the different homebrewers. I have not met anyone here that's not just an awesome, awesome, awesome person. And the seminars are fantastic too. Right. What? So. Yeah. There yeah, the community is the homebrew community is absolutely fantastic. Be it between the you know the the sellers and just other homebrewers, it's. It's just fantastic. Everybody feels welcome. It's just great. Yeah, well, see, the, I, I always tell people, like, the thing I love about NHC, HomebrewCon, whatever you want to call it, is that ability to go and meet people for, like, that one time per year where I go, hey! Yeah. That's how it's been today. Everybody's like, hop heads! And I'm like, oh, I remember you yesterday! <laughs> well, it's not like you guys have distinctive headwear to distinguish it. <laughs> exactly. We don't stand out at all. Yeah. All right, and so last question uh, before uh -huh. we let you get back to your beer drinking and beer wandering ways. Uh, what makes your beer special? Because mm. it's mine. Right on. That is my favorite answer. That's, that's the main reason it's mine. So I make what I like. And I drink what I like, so win or rock. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> that, right. That's great. All right, well, thank you so much, Sean. And uh, it was Mary, right? Yep. Have a great homebrew con, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we are being joined now by Brian from Brewcraft, who uh, was kind enough to host us here this week. Uh, Brian, so what's like new and cool at Brewcraft? 
Well, this new booth is the coolest thing I've been at. And it has space for you guys, and yeah. we're glad to have you guys here. Oh, uh, man, we're, we are totally jazzed to be here. This is really fun. One thing that is so new that it's not even out on the market yet is sitting right next to me. It's our new fermenter. It's the Genesis Fermenter. Uh, it comes with a sanitized inner liner. No need to sanitize anymore. No need to clean. You simply uh, replace the liner, and you're good to go. I've been using it for about seven months. Actually, about a year. Time flies. Uh, and I would never go back to my glass carboys. It, it's got an oxygen barrier um, LDPE uh, liner. So you can long-term. I actually have two sours that have been going for a year. Um, and I've I tasted them before I came out here. They're not oxidized. They're actually very nice. You know, I could I could see the bag being a real advantage for when you're brewing sour beers or something like that that uh, might normally be something you would have to like scrub the crap out of your fermenter for. Uh, one of the things that impressed me most about the Genesis man was the handles, because I'm old and weak and I need to pick up fermenters and lift them into a chest freezer to ferment, and those handles, man, rock. Those things are great. Yeah, that was one of the design criteria. Um, we noticed, you know, everyone's using glass carboys uh, or even the PZ carboys. They were designed kind of from the formulation of the glass carboy, which was actually made to, I believe, carry water, mm -hmm. um, not really make beer. So we wanted to actually design something that was for making beer. And uh, handles were critical. We actually put uh, graduations in the liters and mm -hmm. gallons. And uh, the co coolest part is uh, everything's made in the USA, so your money stays local. There you go. That's great, man. I, I cannot wait to get my hands on one of those babies, or maybe several of them. <laughs> you are on the list uh, to get them, get the first uh, series out, so we'll get, we'll get some to you. All right. Wait, he's on the list. Am I on the list? I feel very. Yeah, I, I feel you, very. Uh, you are out. on the list right now. All right, there we go. <laughs> but you can be off the list really easily if you don't watch yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we have this big uh, display of Vintner's Harvest uh, fruit products behind us, man. What's that all about? Well, it's actually not a new product, but we keep adding to it. Um, we've added, uh, I believe, five new purees, um, and uh, it's. What it is, is it's fruit in its own juices. And uh, and that's all it is, is just the fruit and juices? Fruit in its own juices. There's uh, two or three of them, actually, uh, the fruit doesn't stay very well. So it, yeah. is, it is a concentrate, but uh, the majority of the line is just fruit in its own juices. Um, and it's, it's, I kind of need to debunk something. Uh, there's, a, there's another brand that's in a plastic uh, jug right. uh, that's pre-filtered. Uh, with other ingredients, and uh, it's being confused with with our uh, long-running line of Vintner's Harvest. Uh, I just want to make sure people know the difference. Uh, ours has always been fruit in its own juices. It's still the same thing, still the same product. So uh, if you're trying to be sold something else, uh, it's something else. So basically what you want to do is look for the, the name that says Vintner's Harvest and make sure that's what you're getting, and then you know that it's just the pure fruit. Exactly. And uh, a lot of the fruit comes out of the Pacific Northwest. And uh, it's, you know, we always want to stay closest to the, uh, the best ingredients possible, uh, the most local sources, the freshest we can get. And uh, uh, that's what it is. That's well, great. All right, there you go. So in other words, 
look for the vintner's harvest on your can, and that's when you know you're actually getting the right product, the one that has the correct juice and fruit and preservation qualities to it. Alright, and uh, before we, before we uh, get uh, too far down the line, you guys are also doing a special thing here at HomebrewCon for everybody out in the audience to, to know about. Tell us a little bit about the charity effort that you're doing because we are actually all about the charity on the podcast as well. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, that's something we, we were talking about, what we're going to do. Usually we do some kind of raffle or something and you know, uh, one person takes all the benefit away. Uh, this time we really wanted to focus on giving back to the community. Uh, we're raffling off the Grandfather. It's our new all-in-one uh, brewing system. It's an all-electric system. Uh, you can check it out at our booth. Uh, it's $5 a ticket, and all the proceeds go to Baltimore Station. Uh, this is an organization that takes veterans off the street through their transition period from homelessness, addiction, and gets them back into society so they're a functioning unit uh, that's supporting the society rather than uh, you know, the alternative. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a great organization, and you can easily contribute by and win something cool. Uh, for five bucks, uh, get a ticket. That's really All right. great. And yeah, so everybody who's out there, if you want to support uh, the Homeless Veteran Transition Society here in Baltimore, you can talk to the to the boys and girls right over here. And for five dollars, enter in for your chance to win a grandfather. And how much does a grandfather normally cost? It's around a thousand bucks. Yeah. So there you go. Really? So I mean, even if you don't win the grandfather, you're still a winner because you're doing something good, and, and uh, your karma will thank you for it. Yeah, see, I've already given ten dollars into the raffle, so I'm, I'm uh, and I'm expecting to get that grandfather, but that's because I'm me, <laughs> and the universe should work for me. <laughs> yeah, you would expect that. <laughs> Brian, thanks a bunch for joining us, yeah, man, for and thanks oh. for the hospitality to let us be. Uh, oh wait, no, wait, no. Before before we oh. kick Brian off, we gotta tell, uh, we gotta say, right now here at the Brewcraft Roof, uh, what beers are you guys pouring? Oh, well, that's a very good question. So uh, we have actually paired with these two gentlemen here to make some uh, partial mash kits. And uh, so we got uh, three of their kits on. One's a Rye Smile Pale Ale. Uh, that's Denny Gon's baby, uh, the Imperial Porter. It's a uh, vanilla bourbon. Uh, that's the, another... the infamous BVIP. Yeah, okay. Yep. That's another Denny Con. Uh, he didn't brew it. Uh, it was brewed at Annapolis uh, Homebrew. Uh, but we also have one uh, by Drew Beecham. It's the Summer Citra Saison. I think I said it backwards. Citra Summer Saison. How do you want to call that? No, no, I think uh, the one that you have right now is just the, the Summer Saison, which is the classic. Oh, well. And the Citra Saison is different. Uh oh. I, I might have lied to a couple people. Ah, <laughs> dude. Retailers lying. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's an excellent beer. Check it out. And we also have one uh, other cool brew. Uh, we have, uh, you probably already heard about it. Yeah, the Maves Folly okay. with uh, uh, James Laughlin and also Terry's Malt. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And actually, try that one on cask as well down at oh, uh, that would be great uh, the Pratt, Pratt Street Alehouse. Right. All right, real quick. Uh, so, thank you, Brian. Yep. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that we got the beers mentioned out there because. It's nice to see the kits are there and people can buy them. And you guys have done such a wonderful job supporting us over the, yeah, over the years. Thank, thank you so much for your support. And uh, we totally appreciate it. And we're honored to be associated with you guys. Hey, well, I appreciate you guys as well. Thanks for being on the booth. Uh, it means a lot to us. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Amen. man. We certainly will because we don't know what the hell else to do. <laughs>
Yeah, we have to keep Denny employed during his retirement. That's Otherwise, right. he might do something destructive I'll, around I'll, his health. That's right. I'll, I'll calcify or I'll plant even more marijuana plants or something like that. Right. So, <laughs> okay. So we're going to do a beer tasting here, I guess. Let's get a couple of glasses. And then, uh, then we're going to talk to Randy Mosher about his new book. Randy, you want to get in on this tasting we're doing? Okay, get extra glasses for Randy. So if, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you can probably tell that we're doing it live and unrehearsed and without a script. And Keith is currently opening the bottle with his titanium wedding ring. And uh, Keith, cool. as you're pouring the beer, why don't you describe to everybody, uh, well, one, who you are, what your brewing experience is, and what's the beer that you're pouring for us? Um, I'm Keith Baker. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. I'm a member of the Glass City Mashers. And uh, we are about to drink a uh, coffee blonde. Um, Actually, I was uh, was thinking of trying to do the uh, white stout. Um, White stout! Yeah, there it is. I said it. (laughs) The master of disguise from a little stone plug there got me thinking. I'm like, I want to... Want to mess with people's minds, you know? Have something that drinks dark but looks but looks light. So um, I hope everyone uh, gets to enjoy this. Uh, All right. Well, and wait, hold on. Yeah. Didn't you win something for this? Oh yeah, um, I did. Um, Jackalope Brewing Company has a had a uh, homebrew competition. It was called Let's Get Weird. So I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. Let's get weird, right? And Drew had to mention that because it's based on his white stout recipe that I almost wouldn't let him put in the book. (laughs) And this is the moment in time when I give Denny the actual physical finger instead of the internet finger. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody asked us the other day, how long have you two been a couple? (laughs) Hey, it's it's the modern age. There's lots of love to be had now. Okay, so let's, uh, let's taste this beer. All right. So the very first thing I'm going to, so, all right, color is, despite the moniker of a white stout or a blonde, yeah. I mean, this is very much a light brown, right? And immediately when I put my nose up into it, I get that big coffee, yeah. I get the big chocolate, right? There's, there's no vanilla in this beer, is there? Uh, yes, there is. Okay. Uh, that you got that too, huh? Yeah, yeah. Another little shameless plug here, that would be the uh, more beer, uh, Vanilla Beans. There you go. Uh, the three-pack. Well, and, and it's always important for people to realize is that a very important component of chocolate is vanilla. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so if you, right. Don't, if you don't have vanilla, a lot of times your chocolate will kind of seem a little lacking. Or will seem more like cocoa powder. And that's not a bad thing. It's just it's a slightly different component, right? But the, the classic candy chocolate thing... Includes vanilla as part of his profile. Right, right. So All right. Why don't you hand me that mic and we'll see what Randy has to say. Yeah, here. Yes, absolutely. All right, yes, and special guest taster, uh, Randy Moser. Huge oh. fan, Randy, by the way. Thanks so much. It's, uh, well, yeah, I got, I mean, for me, it was sort of Hershey bar. Yeah. You know, and then and then the mouth, that coffee aromatic, start to come up. You get a little of that burnt phenolic. Uh, sharp, that little bit of like what you get a sharpness in coffee that's like wakes you up in the morning, you know, besides the caffeine. So, uh, really smooths it out. The vanilla, you know, really smooths it out. Adds a like taste. You get like a mocha. It's like a, a coffee hot chocolate mocha I'd, kind I'd of thing. I'd love to have this beer for dessert. You know, this is this would be great with some like just ice cream. Yeah, or ramp it up to yeah. like three or four times as strong. But uh, well, but. Um, 
But he, here's the important part: is if you had your eyes closed, right, and you weren't looking at that color, would it fool you into thinking that you were in some stoutish territory? I don't think so. You don't no. think so? I just not really get. I mean, coffee definitely. You're going to get that on the brain, but mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem at all like a stout. To me. Stout's espresso, yeah, you know, and exactly. it's pretty hard to miss that. I think this is like a, like diner coffee kind of, you know, in a good way. Just yeah, like yeah, like right. drip, like the new hipster drip coffee kind of thing. It's you get <laughs> where you get like the fruitiness and the nuts and what, and all what, that kind of coffee character, right? Uh, but what sort of pour over kettle are you talking about here? Uh, come on. Oh, it's got to be Chemex. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why I love Randy because Randy and I can speak a lot of the same language. <laughs> Man, this is this is a really nice beer. It's a really w- good way to run with the concept. Yeah. You know? I mean, again, I always I've always said about the white stout thing is it's it's not going to ever be a perfect stout thing, but it's fun because it messes with people's heads. Exactly. Yep. 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 Yeah. And I and. Me being me, I like to mess with people's heads because apparently I have an ego. I don't know. I like to be the smartest person in the room sometimes. Me, me being me, I like to just do something straight ahead and let people enjoy it. Yeah, that's because you're boring. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Keith, uh, anything else that you think that the listeners should know? Um, one thing that, uh, that makes this beer rather unique is uh, I used a uh, local roaster to Northwest mm-hmm. Ohio, um, Red Rambler Coffee. Uh, it's their Morning Joe blend. I, because like I said, I didn't want to use something that you know everybody. I, w- I want to do something different, unique, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I, I, I thought it turned out pretty great. Yeah, it does, man. And thank you so much for bringing it by. We really appreciate it. And, and I'm just gonna say one of the things I love about craft beer and coffee is the fact that there's such a natural affinity for craft brewers to craft roasters. To the fact that like. They're both getting the synergistic effect. So, like, suddenly, yeah, you can discover all these craft roasters that are in your area if you're into craft beer. Or discover all the craft beer if you're into the craft roasters. Because, yeah, I now have suddenly much better coffee in my neighborhood, and I'm very thankful for it. That's right. Okay, we're going to play some music here. Randy Motion is going to come up to talk about his new book, and then we're going to be talking to the guys from Jaded Chillers about some of their cool new stuff. And don't forget, if you have questions, please let us know and we'll get to them. That's right.
welcome back to the Experimental Brewing Podcast. God, I've been drinking so much, I almost forgot where the hell I was. Uh, we are at HomebrewCon 2016 in Baltimore, Maryland, and we are honored and pleased to have Randy Mosher with us to talk about his new book, Mastering Homebrew. Hiya, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Hey, guys. Thanks, I ha- thanks for having me. It's a, sure <laughs> this is a serious thrill. <laughs> Let's, let's let's cause some trouble. It's a serious something. <laughs> That's right. So, Randy, when did your book come out? About a year ago. Yeah. So it's semi new. Yeah. You know, when when you showed me a pre-production or a you know a pre-publication copy, one of the things that blew me away was how you were graphically able to represent so many cool concepts. Uh, I assume that that's like due to your years of doing that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I practice as a graphic designer. I, I was trained as that. I've done that my whole career. I still do that. So I'm like a publisher's worst nightmare. Because <laughs> I have high standards, and I can do it myself <laughs> which is than they can. Which is exactly the opposite of Day and I, where we go, here, we have text, do something. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, make it look yeah. good, please. Oh, oh no, please. no. No, it's not. It's not. Oh, whatever. It's uh, do something pretty with it, and then we go and we go. That's not pretty enough, right? So yeah, we're yeah, back. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't like that. <laughs> so, so what is your favorite concept from the book? Well, you know, the whole book is sort of revolving around flavor. Yeah. Right, and and it, you know, when you undertake to do a general purpose homebrew book, you've got the titans out there. You got John, John's book. You know, right. which I did the edit on, and Ray's book. Yeah. And, and they're, each of them have their own really unique characteristic, and they're suited to different people and different interests. Uh-huh. And so what I, what I saw as my interest and opportunity was to really build a book about flavor. Right. So the biggest single chapter in the book is about ingredients. And a lot of those charts that I, you know, I came up with right. some charts. So there's, a, there's a malt color wheel. It's really helpful to understand the flavors of malt. You can see their relationships based on how they're kilned and the production method and how those flavors change as you get darker and darker. Right. You know, I took 75 varieties of hops and I grouped them into categories by not where they come from or what their beer tradition is, but what do they actually smell like? And, and, and that's, a, you know, because people have such a hard time with hops. They really struggle with the vocabulary. Malt translates into normal vocabulary, malty cracker chocolate, toffee, you know, right. those are easy words. Sure. The hop chemicals are, are much more difficult, and they don't, like any given hop chemical doesn't smell like anything you've ever had, really, <laughs> maybe a little lemony or coriander or something. But So try and give people those tools to understand ingredients, and then the other thing is to, to once you understand the flavors of ingredients and, and process, then, like, how do you build a recipe, not from a style standpoint but from a flavor standpoint right because because yeah. if, if you can do if like if you approach it purely from a style standpoint you get into certain ruts mm-hmm. uh, and like oh it's pale ale will make pale ale malt right well maybe but but if you if you're building it from a recipe if you're building a recipe from a flavor standpoint mm-hmm. styles are trivial yeah absolutely. and it gives you a lot more flexibility so that's my that's what i see as the big contribution also trying to you know Having traveled around the world to see what like what's going on, trying to make sure that the book has a, a bit of an international flavor right. to it, and there's so there's a the chapter in the back that's a lot of international recipes based on places I've been and things like that. So. Well, well, and I was going to say very importantly for our listeners who may not obsessively track what you're doing, part of that international concern for you is your current endeavor that you're sort of involved with with Five Rabbit. 
Uh, not sort of involved with. Well, <laughs> fully involved with. Fully involved. I'm a partner. I actually have two breweries in Chicago that I'm a partner in. Oh, And uh, Five Rabbits Cerveceria, we're trying to do, uh, we're trying to create modern American craft breweries, or craft beers with a Latin inspiration. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is called Forbidden Root, and we're doing what we're calling botanic brewing. So we're working, it started as a project to make a, a beer that had a root beer flavor characteristic long right. before Not Your Father's Root Beer <laughs> ever God. showed up on the scene and confused the hell out of all of us. Yep. But we decided to push forward and just keep moving. Uh, but we, so we just got a brew pub open a couple months ago on the west side of Chicago uh, with a really great chef. And we're doing, we've got a um, um, cherry stem Amaro beer on tap. We have a fig oh. double on tap right now that not only has fig syrup, but fig leaf in it. Turns out fig leaf. Turns out, like, with all of these fruits, the leaves, the stems, the bark, all have really interesting flavor that, who, who that's related to the... It's re- yeah, so we, so the cherry amaro has cherry stems and cherry bark extract in it. Yeah. Cherry stems. I mean, would you... Anybody out there think of using cherry stems, you know? Well, we had them laying around because we yeah, had been... Because the, the main guy on the, on the project is just... He, he doesn't sleep. He stays up all night on the Internet and, goes, and just buys stuff. Like crazy stuff. And so this stuff comes into the brewery, and we're like, cherry stems, what are we going to do? we smell it. It's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. We were going to make a cherry beer with them, and we put the cherry stems in. We got the first the pilot batch before the cherries in, everybody smelled it. It's like, this thing's rocking. And, and we put cherries in it. We didn't like it half as much. And so then we kind of uh, eventually it evolved into we put some uh, various kinds of citrus and some um, sweet spice, mm-hmm. cinnamon, uh, allspice, and that kind of thing. And then the, the light bulb clicked. It's like, oh, now it's an Amaro. Well, uh, and I was going to say, I was wondering, like, when you said it was a cherry Amaro, I'm like, so is there actually Amaro in it, or are you doing the No, we're mirroring, we're mirroring Amaro recipes. It, it, it was sort of a little bit of a happy accident because the that was batch number two at the new brew pub, and they, uh, our brewer, BJ, was still calibrating the hop utilization. So the beer came in about half again as bitter as we had originally wanted it to. And it's like, what are we going to do with this? And I started squirting stuff in it, and a certain like it started to actually taste like an amaro, and it, and you know, that's a like super hot area of cocktails right now. Well, I was gonna say and, for for the audience who they may be more beer centric than anything else. Thirty uh, two second primer on what an amaro is. Amaro is a European liqueur, uh, often wine based, but sometimes spirits based. Usually lower proof, usually fair amount of sweetness. They often have things like. Um, um, Absent, uh, wormwood in them, mm-hmm. so there's always a bitter component. Yep. There's a lot of sweetness. Uh, there's some sort of wine spirits components, and then there's also usually some aspect of of, of uh, sweet spice, mm-hmm. cinnamony, cinnamony things. There's often uh, some uh, citrus component, and then often like these things like lemon balm and uh, some of these funky old herbs like hyssop and arnica and things. I've been, been reconstructing uh, absinthe recipes from old French distillation textbooks. Of course you have. And um, uh, uh, chartreuse also. Just trying to get my head inside of those people and those flavors. There's all these kind of lost herbs that used to be culinary herbs, mm-hmm. and, and now they're relegated to that special world of, of liqueurs. Well, and and, uh, and, and so we're really, trying to make use of them. And really the click... The most common, not quite Amaro, but Amaro adjacent thing that people would experience is probably vermouth, and then and then you get into Campari, and then you get to Cochina, and yeah, all of those. It's yeah. all one big happy family. Yeah, but vermouth is probably the the closest thing that most people would have an experience, even yeah. though it's not really a full on Amaro. It's, it's a dial back quite yeah. a bit. 
you know, it's a wine that has a little of that flavor rather than those flavors being super dominant. So, but I love the fact that you're calling it, that you're referencing into the Amaro tradition, but you're building into those flavors naturally and organically via the beer. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing like Meyer lemon peel, sour orange peel, blood orange peel, um, and doing the cinnamon, everything right in the brewing. So now the next question is, since I don't live in the Chicagoland area, is how can I get some? <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, this is like right up your alley. Oh, it, no, it, it's not right up my alley. It is, it is uh, your alley. It, yeah, it is resident adjacent to my alley. <laughs> it is like perfect. Yeah. So are you only in the Chicago area? Uh, we're distributing in uh, Massachusetts and Rhode Island right now, uh, hopefully to be in New York. We've been kind of self-distributing there, testing West the water. West Coast, Randy. It's a long way from home. <laughs> yeah. and the, I mean, those are daunting markets to look at L.A. Yes, they are. And think about trying to deal with five distributors or ten distributors. And we're a little company. You know, we're just, we're really trying to get up and rolling. But we're going to have to come to Chicago. It, it has many charms. Absolutely. No, Chicago is one of my favorite cities in the entire world, except for during winter. Because Chicago. Uh, but I do want to say before, before we let go. That we've always talked with the first book that Danny and I did together, which is also the inspiration of this podcast, Experimental uh, Experimental Homebrewing. When we first got approached to do that book, it was, oh, hey, you know, we, we want to do something that is like uh, uh, Randy's uh, books on, you know, weird beers, right? You know, exp- extreme brewing, that sort of thing. And we're like, well, you can't out Randy Randy. So we're not going to try and out Randy Randy. <laughs> that is Randy. exactly what we said to our editor. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like nobody out Randy's Randy. Randy is Randy, and Randy is Randy. Uh, and Whoa. so, yeah, exactly. Did you mean that wow. that way? I don't know. I think that I suddenly got into the Buffalo, 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 Buffalo question. <laughs> but I just want to say, I really, really appreciate the fact that, that you're taking the time to talk to us. And that we've obviously known each other for years due to the AHA. Yeah. But really, and during Maltos Falcons and the Maltos Falcons, yes, and Randy. Do you, is not, your membership still current, or no, is it probably not? But I'm, it's like my. I think I think you've been just made an emeritus. From, it's my club away from home. Yeah, I think yeah. you've just been made an emeritus member. I think, so. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I was, well, I was traveling back into LA in the '80s. I was going out to shoot TV commercials, and I hooked up with Castleman and some of those oh, yeah. guys, and went to an early uh, Summerfest thing or Sunfest or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah, there have been some. It was a crazy bunch of guys. It was super cool. They still are inspirational. Yeah. Well, but I just want to say thank you so much for. Uh, both providing inspiration over the years and uh, being super accessible and then also providing a sort of a good bulwark of counter-inspiration for the book that has then turned around to inspire all this stuff that we're doing now. Awesome. Can't have too much craziness in beer. Uh, yeah, and I want to I <laughs> let you know that the very first homebrewing book I had was The Brewer's Companion. Awesome. You know, and it, it's like, I looked at that and that's what made me really excited about Brewing Man, and so thanks a bunch. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Randy. That was Randy Mosher. Go buy his book, Mastering Homebrew. If you don't have it, you should. And I bet if you see Randy walking around, Randy, are you like every other author in the world? You have a Sharpie somewhere in your pocket? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has a Sharpie in his pocket. So if buy you see him... Buy the book, get him to sign it. Exactly. All right, so we're going to just do a, a real quick pause here. Uh, where are we at? We are, hey, we're doing pretty good on time, actually. Yeah. All right, does anybody out there in the audience have any questions? All right. Yeah. Oh, uh-oh. We've been joined by Jaded. We have Clay and Jeremy here from Jaded Chillers to talk about some of their cool new stuff 
they're going to have to share a microphone, so who knows how it will go. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, thanks for having us, guys. Oh, How's it going? Thanks hey. for coming in. I, I just ran into these guys uh, the other night at one of the many parties that are going on, and they started talking to me about some of their stuff, and I'm blown away. Wait, NHC has parties? You didn't notice that? No, nobody ever invites me to them. I'm not surprised. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's what's new and happening with Jaded? Oh, man, we've got so many things going on. We've got... Uh, well, this is our first year at uh, at the Homebrew Conference. Homebrew it's every, Con. Well, it's everybody's first year at Homebrew, at Homebrew Con. Con. True, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're so excited to be here and, uh, you know, just uh, hanging out. A lot of cool people, meeting a lot of awesome awesome uh, customers, mm-hmm. new potential customers. We've got some new products. Um, our our biggest new product is uh, called the Corny Pillar, mm-hmm. and it is, uh, it's for use in a corny keg. And um, there are some systems that uh, brew into a corny keg. That um, this this new chiller kills totally cuts down the time, kills the uh, kills the heat immediately in your wort. Well, not immediately. It well, takes time. Almost really. But well, well, it's pretty quick. And I think I think we don't have to be coy since they are one of our sponsors here on the program. Okay. You, yeah. <laughs> one one of these is the uh, Peaker Brews Imatic. Yes. Uh, any of the keg based systems. And I yeah I think I've uh, I've walked by the booth a couple times now and I've seen. Yeah, you've got this beautiful little spiral of copper. Super sexy spiral. Yeah, it's just like, you look at it, it's like, ooh, it's the supermodel chiller. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, um, luckily we're on the way to the bathroom, mm-hmm. so a lot of people um, happen to see us because they got to go uh, to the bathroom. And they'll walk by and kind of look, and then they'll be back because they have to go do some business first. <laughs> and then they come back. And, wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we get to talk to them and get to, uh, get to show them our, our products. Well, so why don't you tell everybody if if they're not aware of your company, how long have you guys been doing the chiller thing? Uh, for about four or five years. Um, so uh, we met each other at a uh, uh, engineering firm that we work for, mm-hmm. and um, since then we started homebrewing. Then we started uh, learning the process of homebrewing, and um, realized that there's a definite gap in the uh, in the chilling part of homebrewing, whereas it was like. Well, you have a standard IC, and then you go to either a counterflow or a plate chiller. And we're like, wait, this, the standard IC can be so much better. So being, being engineer-minded, we started, um, started playing with some different designs, and then started playing with dozens of designs, and then started doing hundreds of tests, and then thousands of tests, and we came up with our, um, our designs. Uh, Hydra is our, uh, it's the world's fastest emerging wort chiller. It chills five gallons of wort um, to 10 degrees above your tap water in three minutes. Whoa. Which is Whoa. Compar- comparable to a plate chiller. However, you can just wash off the hydra. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do a massive process, massive time-consuming process. I have um, had really, really terrible experiences with plate chillers. I've, I've heard some stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. so, uh, so then it just went from there. And then we came up with, uh, we've got several different designs for uh, whatever, whatever your brewing situation is. Whatever your setup is, everyone's got their unique setup. It's kind of like a superstition. It's like, well, you never do that. You always do this. I never, you know, I, I never clean with that because that does this. So there's all, all kinds of setups, and we understand that, and we, we enjoy that. We embrace that because it gives us more products. <laughs> it gives us more ideas. Right. Well, and I was going to say, every time I look at your, the, the Hydra and the other ones that you're doing, all I can see behind them is the CAD software. Like I can see the complicated yeah. equations that are going into actually making. You can see things. the number of beers that went into it. Yeah, there you go. 
Well, and so um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, so the the one that's designed for the I forget what you called it is the one that's into the corny keg. Corny pillar. Yeah. Corny, uh, when is, is that available now to people? That is currently available on the website. Yes. All right. And how much does that cost? It's $120. $120. This is, this is one that I am looking forward to uh, to use with my Zymatic because I love using my Zymatic, but the chilling part becomes a, a real pain for me. Um, that chiller will make me use my Zymatic more often. Well, we love it because our, our customers, that's the reason we have it, because we, we're getting emails like, hey, you guys are really good at copper, <laughs> really good at bending copper. And we got enough emails that were like, all right, let's, let's design something. Then we came up with the corny pillar. And since then, everyone, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but everyone who gets it loves it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see why, man. Having seen one here, it just it looks like an amazing piece. And I mean, how you bend the copper into such a tight coil it just blows me away. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, a lot of trial and error that goes into it. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's stop the lies. Let's stop the governmental conspiracy. It's alien technology. <laughs> yes. This has been it's Coast to Coast. Technology. This has been Coast to Coast brought to you by Art Bell. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I cannot wait to uh, start using some of your products. Well, and for everybody who wants to, to look and see what products you have available, including the, the new Corny Polar, uh, where can they find it? Jadedbrewing.com. Jadedbrewing.com. All right. Yep. And... Are you in any other retailers or just... Nope, uh, just jadedbrewing.com. Yeah, we're working all towards you. other stuff. But yeah, all right. Right now, jadedbrewing.com. All right. Thank you well, so much for having you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bunch. All right. All righty. So it's, uh, it's just about time to talk to uh, a couple people from Y-East. We have, uh, we have Tamara and uh, Candy making their way over here. And they're going to tell us what's new and cool at Y-East, and I think maybe we'll have a little bit of music while we're getting set up. It's just about time. It's just about time. We talked about beer. So come on in. So come on in, just come on in, pour yourself a beer. Okay, this is part where everybody sings. Beer, 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 <laughs> well, now the world has been traumatized by hearing me sing. All right. <laughs> we are joined by Tamara and Candy from uh, Y-East. Hi, guys. Hello. Thanks hey, for Danny. coming over. Um, Drew, why don't you hand that mic so, over to them so they can both talk. Oh, yeah. Here we go. We're just going to take off the stand. Make sure you get up on close on it. Sure. That's right. So... What is new and cool at Y-East? Well, so we're currently wrapping up our Belgian Strong Spring for our second quarter of strains. Um, if you guys haven't seen them already, we have our Canadian Belgian Ale, our Flanders Golden Ale, and our Belgian Dark Strong Ale strains all available through the end of June. What's new and exciting for us is the third quarter coming out is our Sour Summer. 
We'll have a Saison Brett blend, a Berliner Weiss blend, and a Brett Clausini available to you guys through September. All right, and I want to point out that uh, Y Yeast has generously consented to give our Igors some of these yeast to play with and uh, come up with some recipes. So uh, eventually we'll, uh, we'll have an online database of recipes you can use for these. I can tell you that I am looking forward to using that Clausini in my rye IPA recipe. I've, I've had a rye IPA recipe made with Brett C before, and it was like killer, so I really want to try it for myself. Well, we're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to hearing your feedback on that, too. Well, and, and of course, for me, it's no surprise I'm going to go for the uh, Saison. <laughs> no, and, and, really? Anybody, True Saison? Who anybody who's surprised by that should probably have their mind checked, because, <laughs> really. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, you know, any, anything else you guys want to talk about? Well, so I actually do have a question for you. I was talking with one of my colleagues, Neil Brent, that you oh, got yes, to meet oh, yes, earlier this Neil. year. Um, he wants to know how your 500th brew went. And he <laughs> wishes he could be here. Oh, man. Well, it, would, it ended up okay, and it reinforced why I shouldn't drink when I brew. Uh, I, I, I had three bottles left of a Belgian quad that I made for my 400th batch, and around about noon, I just could not resist anymore, and it's a 12% beer. Of course it is. So I ended up uh, stumbling over things in the brewery, had a uh, serious boil over when I went into the house to get more beer. Yeah, in other words, we had drunk Denny experience. That's right. But I, I do want to say that I did find my yeast within half an hour of putting the beer into the fermentation chamber. So it, it wasn't too delayed in okay. getting in there. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, right. thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. It's we been, really thank you, Denny. Oh, you betcha, you guys. And thank you for your support of the podcast. Of we course. really appreciate it. It's been really fun being here for the Homebrew Con. <laughs> Lots of great um, people stopping by. Good questions. Been great running into you. Yeah, well, oh, it's we always great. <laughs> you know, I look forward to seeing you guys at these well, events. Well, I was going to say, well, I mean, why use has been coming to NHC slash Homebrew Con for, I mean, as long as I've been doing the whole probably, thing. You've probably been at them longer than I have. This is my third homebrew conference. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you're, you're a relatively new addition to the whole Y yeah. East uh, uh, entourage. But, the scene, yep. No, but, I mean, it, it's always been a pleasant thing that I know that, like, right when I check in and I walk through the line to go get all my pieces, right there, <laughs> right there's going to be a little Y East booth. That's right. Usually with, usually with a nice beard to have uh, as you walk out with your fresh, brand new glass. <laughs> well, we pride ourselves on reliability, so there you go. <laughs> Cool. Thanks and remember, a lot. we have your number. <laughs> yes, they do. What? Number of some beers? What? No, no, no. The number of the yeast. Oh, there you go. Oh, yay. The number of the yeast, not the number of the beast. Yeah, well, hey. <laughs> some people might argue it's the same thing. Cool. All righty, we're going to get Nico up here to talk about the hop situation pretty soon.
joined by Nico from Nico Brew to tell us what's new with the hops, man. Hello. Hello. By the way, I just want to say, Nico is currently rocking his kilt, so you can take advantage of Nico and his kilt right now. That's uh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for having me on here. Oh, First man, it's a, it's a joy to have you here, buddy. Dude, love hanging out with you guys, and really enjoy listening to your show as well. All right. Well, hey, so what's going on new? What have we got coming forward from Nico? You know, something I've found over the years is we've been pretty good at finding hops that not a lot of people have. But what's hard about that, too, sometimes is nobody knows what to do with them. Mm -hmm. Until some homebrewer wins some award or some professional brewery comes out with some cool thing and says, I put Citra in my Torpedo IPA, for example. So one thing that we found over the years a really good way to get rid of older hops that we're trying to just move is do a grab bag offer where we'll take several varieties of hops that we've kind of stockpiled a couple two ounce bags of here and there when we change over crop years and we'll blow them out we won't tell you what you're going to get and you just find that out when you get them it's kind of fun in people so this is kind of akin to getting a pack of baseball cards mm -hmm. and getting excited with what you get, get out of them that's a really cool idea man yeah only the bubble gum tastes worse <laughs> <laughs> So what's fun about that, aside from we're able to clear out some older inventory and they're also stored really well, so we're able to make sure that you're still getting a quality product, is we're actually going to start doing that with some newer crop stuff just to kind of change it up and have some actually grab bag options um, for hops that are, you know, current and not just for clearing out old stuff, but actual, you know, 2014, 2015 hops where you'll be able to purchase a grab bag. You don't know what you're going to get. You get a good deal. $5 flat rate shipping as always. <laughs> And uh, come on our website, post some reviews, send us some messages, and tell us what you think about those hops. Tell us what you brewed with them. And I'll encourage you also to learn about different varieties. So is there like a, a, a hot new variety that's a real favorite with you? You know, there's a lot of hot new varieties. I actually like a lot of the classic staples. Actually, Cascade and Centennial are two of my favorite hops right now. Mm -hmm. Man, <laughs> I love. <laughs> um, and we're getting a lot of those newer ones in. And they're a lot of fun, but they're hard to say that we're always going to have them just because of how the market is and how crops are. Um, so it's going to be a little more geared towards some of the new stuff and some of the stuff that has been around that you just haven't really heard about. Um, for example, Polaris is a mm -hmm. hop from Germany. We actually imported from a farm there that's uh, really heavy, high alpha in the 18 to low 20% range, wow. really oily. Yeah, you'll actually get them in your pack. Actually, when we get them at the warehouse, warehouse enforcer Scott, they'll open up a 44-pound box and he'll package that and it can basically form a ball that's not going to let loose. And folks get these packs when they're vacuum packed, uh, you got to break it open. So it's a really heavy-duty, oily hop. The folks don't really know a lot what to do with them. Um, so hops like that specifically, we want to get out there and have people try in different ways. Um, and that's, that's a really neat one. Use just, you want to use just a little bit of that, mostly for bittering, of course, to be in that high alpha. Mm -hmm. Um, and just different hops that we've uh, that we've sourced directly from farms, a lot of them as well, over the years that we just want to have out there and have people play with. So we're going to be encouraging folks to play with hops they haven't used before, and even if they're not the newest thing out there, um, and a lot of them will be as well. well. There you go. Wow, that's really cool, man. And I especially like the way you encourage people to uh, post comments on your website because that will be really helpful for other people. Absolutely, and that's and that's the whole goal, and it's helpful for us as well. Well, and I was going to say, so beyond Nico Brew, though, you have other uh, new endeavors. Two weeks ago, my wife birthed a beautiful baby girl. Right on. Well, that's a new endeavor. Congratulations, man. <laughs> Thank you. 
Is that your first? This is our third, actually. Oh, okay. Which so is you probably, know what you're in for. Yeah, but it's all it's always different, man. We got seven, six-year-old boys, and we just have a new uh, baby girl right now. Wow. And um, and that's uh, it's been great. And uh, I'm very fortunate she actually shipped me off here and kind of made me leave. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, you, can you blame her? No, I don't one bit. She's amazing. <laughs> all right. Man. Well, before before we let you go, uh, wander off in your kilt. <laughs> is there anything else that you feel like the people out there should know about uh, Nico Brew and all the various fun things that you're doing? You know, right now you should get over to our booth because we got some. So we got some kick-ass beers over there right now that are uh, right now pretty quick. Uh, our Schwartz beer just kicked. We just got a little bit of parallel left over there. Uh, we got some really cool merch too uh, for your toddlers and your wee ones and yourself. There you go. And right. uh, having a lot of fun with the, the $5 flat rate shipping uh, everywhere. And uh, meeting a lot of international uh, folks here as well. I'd like to encourage them and let them know that we can uh, ship all over them to them too. Well, that's great. I, I love the fact that you've uh, stepped into the market and sort of provided the service of new, uh, of sort of the middleman for hop contracts in terms of like, you know, everybody who doesn't have a big contract with everybody else. And you kind of stepped in and said, Look, I can find all these hops and I can get things to you, including the homebrew market. Absolutely. And that's been a lot of fun. And it's been nice to be able to help a lot of homebrew stores specifically and breweries large and small, especially the smaller breweries that have a lot harder time sourcing hops. A lot of folks don't know that we sell wholesale. Uh, Pro.nicobrew.com is our wholesale site. And we, we ship two ounces of hops to breweries up to truckloads. And we, you don't have to sign a contract to uh, get a good deal with us and a lot of our hops. And... Uh, we like to be able to provide that personal attention service and let everybody know that any size off at the or their home brewer or large brewery, uh, we're there for them and we care about them and their business and uh, love hot, hanging out with them. Which makes me wonder, how many of your hops have just fallen off the back of a truck? <laughs> just, just a couple. Just a couple. <laughs> we used to always get that question, man. Where'd you get that Simcoe? Yeah, off a truck. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. I just found a bale. Why in the road? What do you know? And that you know, every once in a while, uh, stuff just pops up. There you don't, go. Don't ask too many questions. All right. <laughs> Thanks a bunch for coming on, Nico. Thanks, really Look, look Whoa, forward to drinking some with you guys. I was <laughs> going to say, somebody here is farting terribly. <laughs> the crop dusting has started and it's become more vicious. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, hey, Nico, thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks Good to see you. Man. And we have a question from a person out here in the audience. Drew, hand that mic over to him. All right, do us a favor, introduce yourself, and then ask your question, and we'll do our best to not sound stupid. Uh, I'm Martin Worcester. I'm uh, I'm with Mid-Atlantic Brewing News. I've seen your books. Where do you get your crazy ideas? Oh, that's one for Drew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Denny's crazy ideas come from he's old and keeps doing the same thing. That's right. Uh, my crazy ideas tend to come from... Uh, just a lot of it's culinary inspiration, some of it's story inspiration. So if you look at some of the stories I've told over time, it's being in my backyard and looking around and saying, what could I make beer-wise with what I have here? Uh, sometimes it's things like making a beer in celebration of one of my dogs. Uh, and it's really, for me, it is about observing the world around me and then figuring out the best beer-oriented way to make a beer out of that story. I can't go without asking, how did you make a beer celebrating your dog? <laughs> Alright, so I have a dog named Cookie, who is an absolutely wonderful dog. She's a 16-pound uh, chorgi. Denny's met her. She's a sweetheart. Yeah, she, all she does is lick people and then roll over and say, rub my belly. 
but when uh, she turned four, uh, corgis or corgi blends like she is uh, have a, uh, a tendency to spinal problems. And so she went paralyzed one day. And I paid to get spinal surgery for her. It was one of those things where the vet's like, you know, this surgery is going to be four to $8,000. And I'm like, well, do y'all have payment plans? <laughs> because it wasn't going to be a matter of I'm not paying for this surgery. The surgery is happening. And for nine days, she was paralyzed. And on the ninth day, she finally, as I had her out in the sling in the backyard to go pee, the sling had her, her feet up. And as she was walking along with her front paws, suddenly her back paws just kind of went twitch, 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 twitch. And that was the moment when it was like, oh, this could finally be it. And so because of that moment, I said, I have to, I have to make a beer to celebrate the fact that my dog is coming back. And so it was very easy since her name is Cookie. And I love oatmeal raisin cookies. So I made an oatmeal raisin amberish brownish beer. And it is fantastic. It uses rum-soaked raisins and cinnamon and oats and... Rum-soaked raisins. I want, I want. Oh, it is such a good beer. All right, I have to say this and then I'll go. Where do bad grapes go when they die? Where? They go to raisin hell. <laughs> that's worse than one of my jokes. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. The next thing you know, that's going to become a ukulele lyric. Yeah, probably so. Anybody else out there have any questions? All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Steve Frank. I'm brewing with Frederick Original Ale Makers. And for, I've got a question for Denny first. Yeah. Um, how did you, I know you got a, a YE strain named after you. How did you get <laughs> uh, the HomebrewCon, or AHA, to name HomebrewCon after you? Uh, I complained about it so much they uh, had no choice but to name it after me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Drew refers to this as the Wrath of, Con of Homebrew Con. No, 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 the Wrath of Con Con. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, um, I think that I have uh, convinced uh, the AHA to put a question in their after-conference survey about what people think of the name Homebrew Con, and I'm really curious to see if as many people dislike it as much as I do. Yeah, no, you, we're seeing multiple thumbs down out here in the audience. Look, look, the only I'm people, sorry, the AHA, only people who are giving, hey, truth. no, look, the only people who are giving their opinions are the people who are persnickety and look, go, I don't want to be associated with a con. Yeah. Otherwise, the rest of us just like the party. It, it, you know, truthfully, it makes me feel like I'm about 12 years old. Well, you should be, at this point in your life, you should be grateful for anything that that's, makes you feel no, like 12. that's a really good point. Yeah. All right, Steve. <laughs> okay, you I got done. one more question for you. Um, I... I'm somewhat of a lazy brewer, but I like to kind of cut corners when I can. Is there any part of your process that you try to cut corners and you found yourself saying, hey, I should not have done that, Ooh. and then you said, oh, well, we should really include this part of my brewing process. Thank you. Good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, for me, I would say the biggest thing for me was when I started, at one point in time, I started to get lazy about uh, post-boil sanitation in my chiller and, and my fermenters thinking oh no I've got this thing all clean and it should be fine and yeah I paid the price for that in a couple of beers uh, and finally it, that, that was it, it was a big thing because of course you know it was part of the reason why I changed my rules about how I drink during the brew day and I get booed a lot for this and I don't I do not drink during the brew day until I have the beer in the boil the fermenters sanitized the chiller cleaned because that's the last moment in time when I figure I've got the maximal number of things I can f*** up. Yeah. 
And if I have those taken care of, then I can have the beer because it's all downhill from there. So yeah, at one point in time, I got lazy about that, and I really paid a cost, I think. Yeah, and that, both of those things are pretty much true for me also. I think that one of the things that I got lazy about and have changed my, my ways about is planning what I'm going to do and, and thinking through it before I start. You know, it's like, it's like, well, crap, I, I've brewed like 480 batches of beer now. I'm just going to go out there and go for it without really thinking about where I was going. And that, that really, really affected my brewing. And what I got myself to do was uh, expend the effort to think ahead a little bit more and think, oh, you know, I used to do that, but I don't do it now, so maybe I should do that again. So, uh, yeah. Well, and I'll say, I've had more discoveries as I've gotten more experiences of places where I feel like I can skip that I, did, that I used to be super obsessive about. Oxygenation is one of them. I don't. I'm not as obsessed about oxygenation. Uh, yeah, yeast starters. Even I'm a little less obsessive about than I used to be. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, the big one for me was, uh, hey, don't be a lazy ass and screw up your in, in, end of time sanitation. Yeah, I mean, my motto is pretty much uh, cut out anything that doesn't make your beer better. Uh, but on the other hand, do whatever it takes to make good beer. Just make sure it's really working for you. And. And the other point about that is what we always say is like, look, you know, if you're not sure about whether or not somebody's going to make good beer or bad beer, and you haven't taken the time or have the willingness to spend time that may or may not be wasted, go ahead and do it. Because, I mean, otherwise, you, I, I see so many people who try and cheap out on their cleaning, their sanitation, or something else. They've spent five, six, seven, eight hours working on a beer, and then towards the very end of it, they go, oh, I'm not going to bother sanitizing my transfer hoses or something like that, right? And the next thing you know... They've wasted that five, six, seven, eight hours and all the time that they spent waiting for it to be ready. And it's like, well, what the, the hell was the point of that? Yeah, really. So, all right. Thanks, well, thank Steve. You, sir. Appreciate the questions, man. Anybody else out there got anything they want to talk about? If uh, not, we're going to get ready to wrap up. Okay. Thank you all for joining us today here on the live Homebrew Con edition of the Experimental Brewing Podcast. You can always reach us at experimentalbrew.com if you want to get a hold of each one of us individually to complain about how idiotic we are or how I should burn my ukulele. You can now reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. If you want to sign up to be an Igor, we'd love to have you. Shoot us an email and get on there. Yeah, just remember, podcast at experimentalbrew.com is the primary way they can get a hold of us. If you ever have a question for us, you can pretty much shoot us quite, uh, an email there. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find Denny on just about every internet forum ever invented de- de- devoted to the idea of homebrewing. That's right. And wherever you are, wherever you find us, feel free to ask us a question. Just know that more than likely it's going to end up here on the podcast and uh, be part of the permanent human record. So until the next time, remember to always brew experimentally or brew wacky. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Experimental Brewing Podcast. Thank you, everybody.